chapter 2 of Job, verse number 11. Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that was come upon him, they came to everyone from his own place, Eliphaz the Temite, Bildad the Shudite, and so far the Namanite. For they had made an appointment to gather together to come to mourn with him in comfort. Can I say, let me just say right there, they, they, made, it a, they made a purpose in their hearts to come to mourn with him. And that's a friend there. That's a friend. Somebody that's going to come. When you're going through something, they say, you know what? I'm just going to go there and sit with them. I'm going to go there and be with them. And when they lifted up their eyes and fall, they knew him not. They lifted up their voice and wept. And they rent everyone his mantle and sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. So they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights. And none spake the word unto him, for they saw that his grief was very great. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you tonight, Lord. We just ask you to touch our hearts, open our minds, that we may receive the message that we stand in need of tonight. Help us to be like some people that we need in our life, a friend. Father, we'll praise you and glorify you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Uh, the, the Scripture calls these friends. It's good to have friends. Amen. The, these friends start out right. They, they saw Job. They heard Job's hurt and pain and how the evil has come upon him. And, and at the end of the book, they end up right. But somewhere in between the beginning here and the end of the book, there's a rocky road that these boys travel. And I don't know about you, and you have friends who like that. One day they're right, everything's going good, and the next thing you know, it's rocky. You're at odds. You're at ends with each other. If you have a friend and, and never got on the wrong side of you or you've never got on the wrong side of a friend, can I say this? You don't have a friend. Real friendship is solidified by how, how deep of a valley that you can walk and come out on the other side still friends. That, that's the case, Job. These guys were best friends with Job. They went with each other. The Bible, says, the Bible has a lot to say about friendship. Proverbs 17 says, uh, A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversities. Proverbs 18 says, uh, A man that have a friend must show himself friendly. And there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Now, certainly we know that's Jesus Christ. Well, I went to that church and nobody talked to me. Nobody shook their hand, my hand. Nobody hugged my neck. Well, did you shake anybody's hand? Did you hug anybody's neck? Did you talk to anybody? If you want friends, then you must show yourself friendly. Like I said, there's that unseen friend he talks about that sticketh closer than a brother, and that's Jesus Christ. So I got to looking about these friends. I got to think about it. I, I found some quotes on friendship. And some of them I read, it really hit me to the heart, and some of them I just laughed at them and said, man, these can't be. So let me read you some of these quotes about friends. 
Good friends are like stars. You don't always see them, but you know they're always there. A friend is one who overlooks your broken fence and admires the flowers on the other side. A friend is someone who can see the truth and pain that you're in when you're fooling everybody else. A man's friendship, although of the best measures of the worth, it's not how much money, but how many friends you have. A real friend is one that walks in, in when the rest of the world walks with you when the rest of the world walks out on you. A friend is the nicest thing you can have and one of the best things you can be. Friends are those people who, who asked how you are, then sit and wait for you to give the answer. I'd rather walk with a friend in the dark than walk lonely in the light. <laughs> True friends aren't the ones who make your problems disappear. They're the ones who won't disappear when you're facing your problems. <laughs> There's nothing better than a friend unless it's a friend with some butter pecan ice cream. Friends, we all, gotta, we all need friends in our life. Paul said in 2 Timothy, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid at their charge. Nevertheless, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. Let me say this. Even the best friends that you have will disappear at times. Your dearest friend you got in this world will walk out on you at times. But there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. No greater love that a man have than this that is laid down his life for his friends. And Jesus said, I call you friend. If you got Jesus, you got sure enough a friend. He will overlook your problems, your hang-ups, overlook your faults, your failures. He overlooks your sin, and he still calls you friend. In spite of you tonight, I'm glad that I have a real friend and his name is Jesus tonight. So I want to look at Job's friends. And maybe we can leave here uh, with a better understanding that make us a better friend in our lives with other people. I don't want to be one of those friends that just disappear when things are not going good in your life. I, I don't want to be a friend that just points out all your failures and all your faults in your life. I want to be one that says, hey, I'm there for you. I want to be there for you. So we see the quality of their friendship. In verse 11, these guys started out right. It said they made an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. One of the greatest qualities of friendship is just show up. Just be there when somebody is going through some hurt. When somebody just needs a friend. Don't let somebody go through heartache by themselves. 
Call, text them, whatever you got to do. Go visit them, whatever you got to do. Just show up in some form of fashion. Just show up. You, you say, what do I say? Sometimes you don't have to say a word. You don't have to say a thing. Just be there. I, I don't know if you noticed, have noticed this, but there was only three people that showed up. Does Job have more friends than these three? I'm sure that he helped with the blessing of other people, and a whole lot of, uh, a lot of people in chapter 31 and verse number 6. Is that, uh, it, it, the fact is, we're going to read that. Chapter 31. Let's just read this. In chapter 31, verse 16 says, If I had withheld the poor from their desires, or have caused their eyes of widows to fail, or have eaten my morsel with myself alone, and the fatherless have not eaten thereof, uh, for my youth he was brought up with me as with my fa as a father, I have guided her from my mother's womb. If I have seen any perish from my want of clothing, or any poor without covering, if his loins have not blessed me, if I were not warm with the fleece of my sheep, if I have lifted up my hands against the fatherless when I saw my help in the gate. And verse 32 says, The strangers did not lodge in the streets, but I opened my doors to the travelers. You, you see what Job had done. Job has been one of those guys that was there for everybody. When somebody was going through some problems, Job was the one there. If you didn't have something to eat, Job was the one there. If you didn't have clothes, Job was the one there. If you come traveling in, he was not going to let those sleep in the streets. He invited them into the house. So if Job is that kind of person, why is it only three people Show up when Job's going through. Why is only these three showing up? It's hard truth to swallow, but let me tell you this. You need to learn this. There are people in this world that will come to you into your life and all they're looking for is what they can get out of you. They're looking for what something they can get out of you. When you're needing help, when you're going through problems, trials, they are not there. But as a born again child of God, we got to be learned to be a giver and not a taker. Learn to just be okay when somebody uses you takes advantage of you, just learn to be okay with it. Being a friend to somebody is not a friend to you. Amen. Why, why should I be okay with that? Because Jesus did the same thing. How many people did the Lord help? How many people did the Lord heal? 
How many people did Jesus fed 5,000, not including men and women at one time, and a couple of verses later, he fed another thousands, and not including men and women? How many people did Jesus take the lame legs and walk, give the eyes back to the sightless? How many people did Jesus raise from the dead? All those things that Jesus did, but yet on the cross of Calvary, when he was nailed to the cross, he was there by himself, and only three was there, his mother and Mary, and one apostle. Where was the rest of those people that Jesus helped in the time of their need when he was needing a friend, when he was needing somebody, and yet none of them was there? They didn't just show up. They sat down with him in verse 13. So they sat down with him upon the ground. Seven days and seven. Well, wouldn't that be nice? Seven days and seven nights and not a word spoken. Not a word spoken. If they had done this throughout the entire story of Job, they had not done anything bad. They wouldn't have said the wrong things. You know what hurts friends the most? When you say something you shouldn't say. When you say something you shouldn't say. Sometimes the best thing you say is the thing that you don't say. For they saw that his grief was very great. Grab a hold of this. A lot of times when somebody is grieving with a loss, they don't need for you to come as a Bible thumper and quote scriptures to them. They just need a friend to hold them. They just need somebody to cry on them. They just need for you to just be there to help them to get through what they're going through. They probably know just as much scripture of the Bible as you do. They're just looking for somebody to give them a helping hand. Sit down, cry with them. Just sit there and say, I love you. I'm praying for you. Amen. A lot of times we don't know what they're going through or the pain they're having in them because we never face that. But just be there for them. We see the quality of friendship they have. Boy, I tell you, it's, it's good to have a good friend. I was once told you can count on one hand the friends you have and that's all you're going to ever have in your life. That's all you're going to ever have. I've got a lot of acquaintance. I've got a lot of people that I know real good. Now, I mean really close with them. But I only have one or two people that I can say truly, they're my friends. They've been with me through thick and thin. They know me. They know what I've gone through. They know what I've done. And yet they're still my friends. How many do you have? Or are you one of those friends that say, hey, I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what you've done. We've been together for so many years. I'm just going to be there for you when you need me. And we see the quotes of these friends. There are some really terrible things these boys say. But Job dishes it back just as good as he gets it. 
But it's, it's for some reason why they say what they say. I'll tell you where it comes from. I'll tell you where it comes from. In any one of our friendship life, it comes from when somebody starts saying something that you look at them like, why did you say that? It comes from pride in their life. Because Job said something to them, they're going to respond and say something back to Job. Just like Job's wife said, curse God and die. God, God didn't hold it against her. She didn't do it out of malice. She didn't do it out of anger. She just done it out of pain and hurting. And, and I believe these guys said it by the same thing. They, they loved Job so much. They, they had a deep feeling for Job that they just really didn't know what to say. They listened to Job in chapter 3. Job said, let the day perish where I was born. When you show up, listen, when you show up to somebody that's going through some pain and suffering, and, and I mean great pain and suffering, and I'm not talking about stumping your toes somehow, but somehow they've gone through a loss and there's some pain in their life, they're liable to say something that just don't make sense. Job said, I, I just wish the day that I was born, I died that day. But can I say this? Don't correct them. Let God deal with them. Let the Holy Spirit get a hold of them later down the road. It'll come to them. Well, I said some nasty things. I said some horrible things. I said some hurting things. And the reason why they say it because they're hurting. And they'll get back to the point where they say, well, I wish I'd never said that. Eliphaz, the Temite. The place where Eliphaz from is known for the wisdom. The people of that place was known for having wisdom. It skipped him. Watch what he said. He, he, yet a man is born into trouble as the sparks fly upward. I would, listen to, listen to how he says, I, I, will seek unto God. And unto God, I will commit my cause. You see the pride in his statement? Be careful of what you say. If it was I was going through what you were going through, this is what I would do. If I was facing this, this is what I'd do. Well, can I say this? You're not facing it. You're not going through it. You don't know what you would really do in the midst of that pain. The best thing that you can say is not, I wish I would do it this way. When you don't know what to say in the situation, just don't say anything. The best thing is to thank God it's not you. And pray for them. Because if the Lord, if you just mess around, you keep saying, I, I, God might just let you go through what they're going through. He's going to put them shoes on your feet for a while, and then you'll understand what they were facing. you understand what they're going through. I would be very careful of people who are 
going through, through pain and hurt and tell them what you would do if you were going through it. You ain't going through it. You ain't there. So don't criticize people or what they're doing. Just pray for them. I've been through some lot of things. I've been through the hurt and pain. And I've said some things. I, I, I cursed God and said, Lord, won't you just kill me and get it over with? Then I realized later, Lord, that's not me. That's not me. Be careful. Don't let your pride jump up and say, hey, this is what I would do. Because you really don't know unless you've been through that. Chapter 4, verse 12. Now a little thing was secretly brought to me. And listen, listen, I, I love this. <laughs> this guy said, I've got a word for you. I got something for you, Job. He says, now a thing was secretly brought to me, and my ears received a little thereof, and thoughts from the visions of night. When deep sleep the fall of the men, fear came upon me, and trembling when made with all my bones shaken. Then the spirit passed before my face, the hair of my flesh stood up, and it stood still, but I could not discern the th form thereof. An image was before mine eyes, there was silence, and I heard a voice saying, Shall mortal man be more than just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? He's telling Job, hey, Job, God gave me a word for you. Most of the time when you read the book of Job, Job speaks in pain and hurt because of all that he's gone through. And really when Job is speaking, really when he's talking to his friends, his friends are not listening to him. They're not feeling his pain. They're not knowing, seeing his hurt in his eyes and his voice. They're not seeing that. All they're waiting for is to Job just shut up so they can jump in and make their comments. So they can start talking. So they can put their two cents in. You'd be telling them about what your faith. You ever had anybody, you sit there and say, man, this is what I'm going through. And you think of a friend. This is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm going through. Next thing they, when you stop and they say, well, well, let me tell you about my pain. <laughs> let me tell you about what I went through. I, mine was greater than yours. Mine was way up there. I, I, you, let me just tell you what, about my pain. They were not listening to Job. They weren't out hearing the pain in his life. Sometimes all we need is just somebody to listen to us. They, they start pointing fingers, chapter 4 and verse 4. Thy words have upholded him that was falling. Thou hast strengthened the feeble knees, but now it has come upon thee, and thou faintest. It touched thee, and thou art troubled. Bildad gets in on chapter 8. And I love what he says. I mean, really, if somebody's going through hurt and pain, you really don't need to say something like this. You really don't need to say, well, if thy children have sinned against him, 
and he would cast them away for their transgressions. This guy just lost ten children. This guy said, maybe God killed your children and cast them away because they're living like the devil. said in verse 5, If thou wouldest seek unto God betimes before bed, and make thy supplication to the Almighty, if thou were pure and upright. We know Job was pure and upright because God said he was. Surely now he would have awake for thee and made the inhabitants of thy righteousness prosper. We know he was prosperous. Though the beginning was small, yet the latter end should be greater increase. You see, his friends are not listening, Job. They just want to get their two cents in. Eliphaz does. Bilfar now, so far, gets his in in chapter 11, verse number 5. But oh, that God would speak and open his lips against thee, and he would show thee the secrets of wisdom that they are double to that which is is. Known therefore that God exacted of thee less than thy iniquity deserveth. He said, Job, you got what you deserve. How many of you would like for your friends to come to you in your time of hurting, your time of pain, and say, you know what? You got exactly what you deserved. Friends like it, you certainly don't need any enemies. What they're doing, they're pointing the finger. You know why I find why people want to point their finger at you when you're going through hurt? Not because they feel sorry for you, because they've seen your life, the life that you live, as God has put you and God has blessed you, and God hasn't blessed them like He's blessed you. And when you're going through that hurting and pain, they want to point their fingers at you and try to bring you down below them so they can say, hey, now look at me. Look at me. Be careful. They're trying to constantly point their fingers at them. So Job's got these friends and he's dealing with these friends that are constantly on him and constantly pointing at him and telling him, hey, it's your fault. All this, all this is on you. God has got something on you. You've got some hidden sin, Job, that you just really need to come to God and get it right with God. But not only did Job have to get it right with God, so did his three friends have to get things right with God. There's a quick fix for friendship. Job and his friends could not fix what they have done done in these few chapters. They could not get it right together because they've done been at each other. They've said some things they should not have said. So how do you fix that friendship? God is the only one who can fix the friendship. Let me say this. If you're not careful, you're going to try to fix the situation. All you're going to do is make it worse. By you constantly trying to fix something in somebody else's life, you're only going to make it worse. 
And it's got, in, in any relationship, in any marriage, whatever marriage, we're talking about marriages and stuff, any relationship, friendship, any, there's going to be a point in your relationship that only God can fix it. Only God can fix it. Chapter 42. Verse 7. Now, we know if you read verses first 1 through 6 of chapter 42, Job got right with God. God told him, God spoke to him, says, look, you need to do this. And Job got right with God. He said, now your friends have got to get right. And it was so that after the Lord has spoken these words with, unto Job, the Lord said unto Eliphaz and the Temite, my wrath is kindled against thee. And against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken of me the things that were right, as my servant Job hath. Therefore take unto you seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to thy servant Job, and offer up yourself a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you. Can I say this right quick? Good place to be start mending your friendship is pray pray for him I will accept lest I deal with you after your follies and that ye have not spoken of me the things which is right like my servant Job so Eliphaz, Temite, Bildad the Shunite so far the Namanite went and did according as the Lord commanded them the Lord also accepted the Job and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends, also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he did before. The fix for a fractured friendship, the first thing both parties have to do is get right with God. We see they get right with God. We know Job got right with God. Now Job is telling his friends, this is what you got to do, get right. He said, I, I, I want to repent in the dust, in verse 42, in ashes. Job got his heart right with God. And God tells his fellows, you've got to get your heart right with God. Take the bullets and rams and go and offer them up. When you see God like Job, what Job did, you're, you're never going to get right unless you can see yourself as God sees you. Job, Job was not ever going to get right. His friends are never going to get right unless they can see themselves as God sees them. When you can start comparing yourself to the glory of each other, when we start comparing ourselves to each other, we're not going to measure up. We cannot measure up because we're going to think we're better than you and you're better than me. We can't do that. But I'm telling you, when you start comparing yourself to God and see the glory of God and start trying to measure up to Him, you'll find out you're nothing but a wretched sinner. Then they can get their hearts right. Then they got right with God. God is the measuring stick for all. We are not the measuring stick for each other. They got right with each other. Verse 8, my servant Joe shall pray for you. Verse 10, when he prayed for his friends, the fixed, the, they fixed their problems by praying for each other. I, I, I know this. I, I'm, I'm, I've been one of those. It's hard to pray for somebody you really just don't like. 
I'm just going to be honest. It's, it's really hard. I, I've tried, you know, Lord. <laughs> they really don't deserve anything you got for them, Lord. And you start praying and God says, you know what, well, won't you ask for a blessing for them? Really? You know, you, know, you know who we're talking about. You know what's going on with us. And you start praying and God says, won't you ask for a blessing for them? And then we start, well, God, won't you bless? No, I want you sincerely, sincerely from your heart to pray for a blessing for those people. And I find that when you're really sincerely trying to pray for somebody that's done you wrong, that's done hurt you, done sense and stuff, when you really sincerely start praying, you'll find out <laughs> the hurt ain't there no more. It's not a problem no more. Because now you start praying and God starts blessing you because you're praying for blessing somebody that hurt you or said something to you. Now you're praying for them and God starts blessing you. It's hard to pray for somebody that you really don't feel like they need it. Can I say this on the flip side? They may be say, thinking the same thing about you. Lord, you really, I don't, you know that preacher, I don't want him, <laughs> don't even want him near me. And God says, we want you to pray. We want you to ask God a blessing. We want you to ask me to bless him. Get him blessed. Pray for a blessing. When you start praying sincerely with God to bless those that hurt you, God will start blessing you. Acts 27, and I'm done. Said the next day we touched Sidon. Paul's a prisoner. And Julius, he, he's over all the prisoners on the ship. Continuously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go to his friends. To do what? To refresh himself. And Paul's going through church people. Real friends among God's people don't knock down each other. I, I've heard preachers pray, if you want to have a friend, don't pick, pick, uh, become friends with anybody in church because when you got problems, there's a lot of problems in the church. I understand what he's talking about. I really do. But that's not true. In, in fact, Paul, in Acts 27, uh, he went to his friends from the church to refresh himself. You and I need to become somebody that can be refreshed because of the things that we are. Because I'm there to pray with you. I'm there to help you. I'm there to cry with you. I'm there to give you a shoulder. We can be a refreshing to those lost souls that needs to be helped in a time of need. I'd rather much rather be a refreshing for somebody than be a hindrance to somebody. I'd rather be somebody they can count on than somebody that's going to point their fingers at somebody. I don't want to constantly be one just dogging somebody out or backstabbing them out. I want to be somebody you can say, hey, that's my friend. I can go to him in hurt and pain and they're going to help me. I don't know about you, but I've come to church many a time when I just didn't feel like it. Many a time. Many a time. 
but I felt better when I left than it did when I came. Why is that? Because you get a refreshing. You, you people, we come to church and we, we meet early and we're shaking hands, hugging each other, we're talking, we're talking about this, talking about joking, we're picking on somebody. <laughs> just, just having a good time. And, and just refresh. You forget about the world. You forget about all the hurt. You forget all the pain that you're going through. And just for this moment, you get refreshed. And, and then when service is over, we're trying to get everybody out and cut the lights and go home. Everybody's just standing around and talk. That's a sign of a healthy church. Amen. That's a sign of those who want to be a blessing to those around them. Amen. I, I much rather have a church that's a blessing than the old grumpy, grouchy churches that there are around today. Don't want to help nobody. Don't want to stick a hand out for nobody. Don't want, we, had, we had guests here and everybody ran over and hugged them, shook their hand. Glad you're here. You imagine if they sat here the whole time and nobody went up and said anything to them. You say, well, I ain't going back to that church. There's some mean people down there. No. We want to be a refreshing to the lost souls that walk through the door. That's what we want to be. Amen. Friends. We all got them. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to be honest with you. I'd rather have friends that's in the house of God than those outside in the world. Now, I've got some friends out in the world, but I'm telling you what, my true friends are in the house of God. Why? Because they know me. We have the like manner. We have the same thought. We have the same goals. That's what it is. Be a refreshing. Be a, be a true friend. Amen. When somebody needs it, be a true friend. 